0: This is the Dennis Miller option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs for comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller, his Guy Friday Christian Blatt, and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller.
1: Hey folks. I like to jump right in, so I tell Lindsay Don Olmeyer used to do that. <laughs> what did he used to do, Dennis? I don't. I, I don't sense that our crowd. My demo studies show that our crowd <laughs> does not like to be filled in on stuff that we're talking about. That's fair. Um, no, I, when I came on, which was around an eight seconds ago, I heard Lindsay say, "Maybe I shouldn't have Coke for breakfast." <laughs> and I said, "Well, listen, maybe a maybe a sedative instead of Coke." She <laughs> said, "No, no. I mean Coca-Cola." And I said, Don Ohlmeyer used to do that. I remember when I got Saturday Night Live. Uh, No, no, that wasn't the show I got. Um, Monday Night Football, Ohlmeyer hired me, and we were doing a lot of press, and I stayed over at his house the first night. And no, it's not what you think. I didn't fuck Don for the job.
0: (laughs) It was the only thing that made sense, is if that's what you had done.
1: (laughs) 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 And uh, he and his lovely wife Had me over. They had a spare bedroom. We were doing a lot of press, so I sacked there. I got up in the morning, went down in the kitchen to meet him, and he, uh, he had quit smoking at that point. Or no, no, he was still smoking, but he had quit drinking for a while then. And I hear he hit it hard when he did, but he was, uh, and he had, for breakfast, had some crunchy peanut butter on a spoon and, uh, some sort of either a Coke or Diet Coke and a cigarette. And I thought, this is old school here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I had my typical breakfast, which was, at some point he said, Christ, do you eat that for breakfast? That's how unhealthy it was. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, that was oh. the biggest laughter. I told you about Bush that morning when I was having breakfast with Bush and, uh, Billy Bush, no, uh, George, W and uh he was eating like uh, stamens and pistols and and I don't mean a gun. Um you know, ferns. Christ I don't know what he was eating. <laughs> and I had a uh, breakfast burrito the size of Don Clendennon's first baseman's mitt. <laughs> and I thought uh I thought he must think I'm such a slob, so I only ate half of it. But uh, you ever get do that when you're ordering your thing, which comes first, and it's so piggish, and and then the person you're eating with it comes and it's a an, you know a uh, eye cup of yogurt or something with a seed <laughs> on top of it. You, you, and all of a sudden, you have to walk your order back and just nibble around the fringes. I don't like all the stuff inside the cheese and meat and eggs. I just. Uh... I like a little of the the ground. Uh, what do the Mexicans call corn? Christian maize. I like maize. It makes me mm-hmm. stool regular. Maize makes my stool regular. Dennis singing all the hits. Hey, um, what are we doing today, Christian? In a few
0: moments, we'll be joined by Antonio Sabato Jr. He has a notebook. Ah. He has a new book called Sabato: The Untold Story.
1: Does he have any uh, time restraints? I don't believe so. I was going to say nothing funnier than a guy who's black, bald, having a hard out.
0: <laughs> nope he's uh, he's with us for the whole week. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you'd said Antonio can only stay twenty minutes, and just, wait a second—he's on a blacklist. <laughs> it's like saying. Uh, who was the guy who wrote uh, Brian Cranston ended up playing him in a tub? Uh, Dalton Trumbo's got to get out. <laughs> really? You're telling me Dal- Dalton Trumbo can't do panel tonight. No, no. He's got to do his set and get out. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll talk to Sabby though. Antonio Sabato's got a new book, Sabat, How do you say it? Because I know there's Larry Sabato. Yeah, Sabato, uh, Sabato right?
0: I believe. It's Antonio so Sabato. So I should remember... Yeah.
1: To Mr. Sabato um, Thank you very much cig- Mr. Sabato If I say that to him will I come off like Steve Carell in the office uh, probably, uh, The Untold yeah. Story Sabato The Untold Story Not to be confused with Sabato My life is numbers <laughs> And um, Let me see here I'm just looking at my mail as I get on And uh, I have some ads to read. Sorry, Lindsay, I got to those before I picked up. Um, Hey, I was watching a Sinatra. I've seen it before, so I didn't stick with it last night, but it was wild. man. It was like eerie. It sent a jolt up my spine. I watched some fabulous documentaries over the weekend. We can talk about them, although we can't find 63 Up, Christian. I, I thought it was to be on BritBox or something.
0: Yeah. I
1: think you have to buy the DVD. BritBox. Don't, don't type BritBox in, by the way, because you're going to find that night she shaved her head and <laughs> got into the car wrong. But uh, it's also an English streaming service. And I thought 63 Up was on there, but I might have jumped the, uh, the gun on that. Do you know anything? What's the word on the street? When
0: I looked for it, I had to uh, purchase a Blu-ray or DVD, and uh, I wasn't ready to commit. So I, I have not pulled the trigger yet. I, I think it's uh, it's too new to be on one of those streaming services, I think.
1: That'll tell, talk you about... Uh, uh, that's all I have to say. That'll... <laughs> That'll explain to you how long this thing's been going on, folks. Uh, originally, it's like wood carvings. The uh, seven up in the early in nineteen sixty, whatever. Um, it's the grainiest black and white handheld home movie camera footage ever. And now we're up to <laughs> Blu-ray disc. Eventually, uh, I think by seventy up, they'll just uh, come to your house and put a cataract seat in your eye, and you can watch it <laughs> while you blink. <laughs> cataract seed on george bush's breakfast um so i was watching this sinatra documentary god is it hot in here today hang on christian take it for a second well
0: you know a little later we'll be taking your voicemails and if you would like to leave us a voicemail at 866-509-RANT that's 866-509-7268 and you that, go right same to that, number, that same number one gary that same number You can call into our live call-in show on September 9th at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern. We'll be taking your calls for the whole show. So please call at 866-509-7268. I've
1: I've been asking for that since Marshall Applewhite striped on the Adidas and went to Halibop ages ago. Yeah. So it's nice that it's finally come across my transom. I know what you're saying. What did Dennis jump off there for? He said it was hot and then he jumped off. I made it hotter, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I wanted to throw you guys off. You're thinking he must have taken his shirt off. No, I made it hotter because then I sweat and that cools me. So it is a, listen, I'm a stoker on the Titanic right now. And uh, hot, sweating. It's always that thing you're in India and they go eat some hot food. And you go, I was in India last year. It was so freaking hot freaking hot what am i on cop rock here it was so <laughs> hot you motherfreaker! Uh, freaker yeah i was f- really freaked off
0: <laughs> i'm really ticked off at you right now buddy
1: i'm, I'm gonna freak you up <laughs> <laughs> but i ate some curry or something to make it hotter and see if that worked I almost yeah. passed out. I was fainted. <laughs> and uh, I was, this guy I was with on this tour group said, what are you doing? And I said, well, it's hot. They always say. It. He's like, what are you, crazy? He was in the swimming pool looking up at me. I was eating poolside. He said, get in the pool. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's better. Well, that was a fun trip. I got to call that cat. He was a great guy. Um, I'll spare his name on the air. Nobody wants to be brought into my little kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Where they? <laughs> they say I had fun with a guy <laughs> and his wife on a trip that we befriended each other. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're trying to see if he and you know, Josh Allen were texting when the Buffalo Bill quarterback was fourteen and used some racy language. So I'm watching the Alex Gibney documentary on Sinatra again and I backed out of it because I but I did uh, watch the first 30 minutes because it's just intoxicating young Sinatra caliper Sinatra they show a life magazine picture of him before his final concert at the mark taper and it's him wrapping it up and it's a shot that I'm sure his publicist might not have cleared because it's him looking like an older guy in a golf hat you know and it's not Smooth Sinatra, Chairman Sinatra. It's sort of like, uh, you know, Hager Brothers in the Cornfield Sinatra. And uh, on the hat, I freeze it for a second because once I watch something ad nauseum, I start to broaden my gaze out to the perimeter of the shot and see what I can pick up in an ancillary. You know, I'm always looking for that camera boom when they skip down the road after conscripting the uh, Tin Man into the then-duo, to be trio on their way to see Oz because I I hear there's a camera boom in there somewhere or boom mic in the woods as they skip down the road so I'm always you know, Zabruder filming that but I froze it and I looked at the logo and it said Columbine Country Club Ooh, it gave me such chills can you imagine out of all the country clubs in the world that Sinatra's wearing one for Columbine so many yeah. years before Columbine just the word itself becomes a, a stargate into, you know, hell. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You know, growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but I had to give it up. Because as I grew older, I realized it was so full of sugar, and let's put it under the general heading, junk. <laughs> I wasn't sure I could eat it anymore. I've been trying to cut down on carb, sugar, unhealthy food, and realize they basically can't eat much anymore. Christian, I, I, I don't know. Are you, hell, are you a brand nut guy in the morning, or are you uh...
0: No. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a half a rasher of bacon. And, well, uh, if you want to balance out eggs. your diet,
1: <laughs> listen to me talk about Magic Spoon, because it's great cereal. tastes great. It takes you back to your kids. It's uh, Captain Crunch if he was a medic. Let's put it that way. Uh, zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, only 3 net grams of carbs in each serving. Four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. And they don't cheat you on the flavor. I'm talking like you're going to pick this up and it's going to, you know, taste all four of the flavors will taste the same. These have bang for their buck. Taste amazing. It's, I think, too good to be true. Keto-friendly. Glute, 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 glute. Sorry, I was drowning. Gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. And uh, I'm the fruity type. And I like their fruity cereal too. Go to magicspoon.com Miller to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Miller at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money and there will be no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com Miller. Use the code Miller for free shipping. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. What time's Antonio joining us? He has actually just joined us right now. Antonio! Hey, Dennis. How you doing, pal? How are you, my brother? I'm a young kid with a dream. What are you up to? Hey, just,
2: just working a dream here on the other side. I'm in Florida. So, you in Cali still?
1: Um, Yeah, up in Montecito and uh, planning my... Uh, my escape. Professor Evil <laughs> pod escape because it's getting weird out here, brother. <laughs> or Dr. Evil, whatever the fuck that character's name. We're talking Antonio Sabato Jr. His new book is Sabato, The Untold Story. And what I want to ask you about, brother, is uh, tell me about Antonio Sabato Sr. Tell, tell me about your, your dad. you brag on him? Is he a good cat? Tell me about him.
2: Yeah, my dad is a great cat. I mean, he's been around a long time and He's seen the world. He's made many movies. He's got incredible stories. He's one of those guys that he comes in to party and he just makes it even better. You know, he's just uh, he's my dad. You know, I mean, he, he just had a, a, a rough life, a tough life, a great life, all that bunched in together. So it's I'm very proud of my dad.
1: For sure. Man, is, did you get your dashing good looks from him? Because you're a handsome cat. Is it your mom, your dad or both of them?
2: You know, I I appreciate my parents. I I got the best out of both in so many ways. You know, the way the way that I grew up thinking and my drive to do certain things and to push myself, all that stuff kind of came from them. You know, you can never give up kind of attitude. You know, so I thank my folks for that, man. They 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 set me straight, and uh, hopefully I was able to teach the same stuff to my kids and. Um, you know, kind of uh, revolving the door, you know. But, uh, you know, we, me and my family are close. You know, we came from Italy. We came here twice. You know, we didn't do it once. We did it twice. You know, we came here to this country legally. And we stuck together through hard times, you know. So the American dream, you know, what can I say? I'm very I'm very fortunate to have the best parents in the world.
1: Antonio, tell me about the, is your mom and dad Italian? Tell me, just tell me about them a little because I see as I'm reading my notes here, your mom's extended family you lost people in Auschwitz. So tell me, uh, tell, boy, yeah. if that doesn't steal you for life right there, you, you better get steely then.
2: Yeah, my parents are tough. You know, my mom was born in Prague, and and my grandmother, her mother, was the only one to survive Auschwitz. You know, they took her brother, my grandmother's brother, and, and my great grandparents. They took them and put them in a train, and um, that was the last wow. we seen them. You know, that the world seen them, and the, and they died at Auschwitz, and. My grandmother was able to to get a fake name to escape, to run away, to to hide in Prague, and then she my my grandfather and my mother was born, and um, you know so my grandmother had to deal with the Germans, and then she had to deal with the Russians and the Communist Party, and uh, and you'll read it in the book. I mean, it's fascinating stories that I talk about my pra- my parents, and my grandparents, and what they had to go through, and the life that they had to go through, and the incident that happened to my grandmother, which you have to read. It's fascinating. Um, And very sad. And um, it's just, uh, you know, when your family goes through that and you know about socialism and all just all the things that have ruined uh, worlds and uh, and people in general and families and ruined them for life, uh, we've seen them. You know, we've seen
1: it. And you cannot abide it. You cannot abide it at that point. It's all too real. When I when I hear stories like your mom and I think about some of the pussies I see on camera now talking about microaggressions, making them bedridden. You think, wake the fuck up. Life gets real. Are you kidding me?
2: Yeah, you know, we, we live in a society where people just don't have respect, don't even have respect for themselves in in some ways, so they don't want to learn and understand about factual things and history and things that happen in the world, so when you don't do that and you just listen to the fake media 24 hours a day, you're bound to fall in that trap, and that's um, very sad to see because a lot of uh, our young kids out there are falling into it, and um, and they seem to know it all, and they don't, you know, it's... That's why I tell people, especially young folks, I tell them, travel, see the world, read books, get to know the real history, you know, find out for yourself what really happened, what really is going on nowadays, so then you can make up your own mind. But don't just watch and listen and go, okay, that's the truth. Make your own truth. Learn from facts, you know, because um, facts don't change. Those stay the same way, and that's what I, I tend to believe, you know, and, and so it's sad to see in our country and the world that kind of hypocrisy going on, especially at a young age. But um, I'm hopeful that things will change, and hopefully out of this amount of people that don't know nothing about the world, there's some in there that know about the world and they want to make the world a better place.
1: I'll tell you what, Antonio, I've always believed in facts too, but I'm starting to see something that I, well, I think is the subjectification of the empirical. I'm starting to hear teachers say 2 plus 2 doesn't necessarily equal 4, and you think... Oh my God! This is the point we've gotten to now that we're starting to hedge our bets on the things that are etched in stone. Heartbreaking.
2: Very heartbreaking, you know. I mean, and that's why this this election. I think that's why this time in our lives is a time to learn. And I, I say, listen, it's 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 really bad. You know, we're dealing with this huge turmoil all around the world with COVID and everything. I say, you know what? Use this time to to, to get back into something that makes you a better person, you know. And instead of falling, like I said, everybody's going here, everybody's fighting over here, everybody's arguing over here. I'm like, if you can be a better life for yourself and your children and everybody around you, that that's something, you know. And um, and that's what, what kind of life I like to live. And that's why my book is kind of one of those. It's not a political book in any way, shape, or form. It's a spiritual book, kind of like... Your spirituality in life, what makes you a better person, how you can drive yourself to be even better the next day, you know, how do you get your life to to help other people, you know, and what makes you who you are, and, and so all these stories are making me who I am now, and I'm proud that I've been through the hard times and the fun times, and and I can share it in this book,
1: you know? Well, the book we're talking about, folks, is Sabato, The Untold Story, and I have to consciously pronounce it Sabato because I'm so uh, aware of Larry Larry Sabato, the... uh, Another friend of
2: mine, good guy.
1: Yeah, great guy, so I have to stop halfway through and make sure I don't start calling you. I hear you, man, I know, I
2: know.
1: (laughs) Now, Antonio, I'm thinking of... I know your dad, well, it's it's so funny in the notes, they always refer to somebody as Antonio Sabato Sr., and then you realize that right. only when the kid becomes famous do they become senior, right. because I mean, the... I-
2: I mean, it's, it's funny, like when you become famous, they always, it's the only job in the world they have to say, like, I can't call you Dennis. I got to say Dennis Miller. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I got to say, it's always the first and last name. Make sure everybody knows that it's you, you know? And uh, it's, it's, it's cool. I think it's always been something that has always inspired me to, to know more about this business that we that, that we're in. They're like, there's strange things that happen in Hollywood show business. It's one of them. you got to call them by the first and the last name.
1: <laughs> I know your dad, though, famous in uh, in Italy, and I'm thinking, did you grow up in Rome at all?
2: Yeah, Dennis. We grew up in Rome, and we grew up in Europe, and, you know, so I, I, I kind of know the life over there and the struggles to come to another country, a new way of life, you know, and uh, we were just back, actually, in September. Me and my fiancé, we went back to uh, Italy, and we couldn't, we didn't want to leave, but... We, we had to, you know, so, uh, but, you know, I, I love Italy, I love Europe, um, I know all the good things and the bad things of, of the European mentality, and I can appreciate some, and some of them, I'm, I'm not so close, you know, I, I, I kind of like in the middle, you know, I, I like the business side of an American mind, you know, the, the driven, the hard-working, you know, the honor to the country, to the flag, you know, and I also like the Italian mellow, you know, yeah. spend hours in the kitchen, eat, hang out with the family, you know, so I got... I got the best of
1: both worlds, you know. We're talking to Antonio Sabato, and the book is The Untold Story. Sabato, The Untold Story. And it's funny, the last time I was in Rome, I can tell you. How the events of the day are so saddening, they've creeped into your prefrontal lobes. I always go to Rome, and it's one of my, well, probably my favorite city in the world. I just could sit there all Aww. day and watch. But then I got to Herodin's Wall this time, and instead of Emperor Herodin, I kept thinking it's Pelosi and uh, Elizabeth Warren, like Herodin's <laughs> taken on a whole new word for me. And I, <laughs> it's like shrieking Herodin's Wall. Um, what time, what, what age did you split Rome? When did you guys come to the States?
2: I was uh, barely a teen. I was 12 years old, me and my sister uh, and my dad and my mom came here and with a dream and uh, we went to brand new American schools and way of teaching was different. I had to kind of cope with it for several years to adjust, learn the language, all that. But it was, you know, I, I was always fascinated with America as a country and the mentality and everything, like I said earlier. And I was just, I was so proud to be able to have a chance with the, you know, the thanks to my family to come here and, and become an American citizen. So I, I, I never look back and go, I wish I never did it. I'm like, no. I love this country. I really do. I love, I love America.
1: Well, getting you out of there at 12, I can see your mom and dad sitting down at the table and say, we, we got to move to America because if we have Antonio <laughs> with that mug running around La Dolce Vita, this is going to get very frenetic, so we got to <laughs> split, get back to the States. When you think of your future, you think of goals, of where you want to be. Substitute dreams for goals and suddenly planning your future is bigger because no one ever has small dreams. Dare to dream bigger and start your bigger future with a degree from Ashford University. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree programs allow you to learn on a convenient and flexible schedule. At Ashford, expert faculty teaches you real-world skills from real-world experience in online classes built for life's twists and turns. You can learn from home or wherever you feel comfortable. You can pursue a degree in one of Ashford's 60-plus programs like business administration, healthcare administration, and psychology. With 24-7 access to your classroom, daily support, financial aid available, Ashford gives you the tools you need to go from dreaming to doing. Go from dreaming to doing right now. Your bigger future starts today at Ashford University. There's no fee to apply or standardized testing required to enroll. Go to ashford.edu slash miller. That's ashford.edu slash miller. ashford.edu slash miller. Not all programs are available in all states. We're talking to Antonio Sabato, Jr. The new book is Sabato, The Untold Story. Now, listen, brother, I always admire you because I look back and I think, boy, there are a lot of people who talk the talk behind the scenes. And that's not really walking the walk. It is a cultural war right now. And yeah. uh, I always think of you as like uh, Kevin Costner in, in the movie where he rides in front of the troops on the horse. You put yourself out there, brother. I admire your courage, oh, man. You were you were called to it, uh, weren't you?
2: Well, Dennis, you know, I, I just think that um, it's, it's always been my character. I just don't like bullies, and I don't like people or the industry or whatever you want, the media, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the people out there that control a lot of things to tell you or to tell us how to live our lives and what is right and what is wrong. And I just, I just hope that the book kind of helps in the agenda or, 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 of fixing Hollywood or California. And, you know, we've got to have a middle ground, we have to be able to talk. To the other side, you know, to these liberal crazies in Hollywood who are just taking it to a whole new level. You know, back back in the day, you'd be able to talk and have a discussion, and maybe you disagree on some things. But at the end of the day, your friends, your colleagues, your your thespians, you, you're doing the same. Now there's there's no there's nothing that you can talk to them about. If you disagree with them, casting uh, directors, and it's over. And and they they blacklist you like they did to me, and I had to go through hell and back. But you know, certain things in life, they could either break you or they make you a better person. So this book, in in any way, shape or form, is not a book where I'm saying, "Oh, this happened to me. I'm sorry. I wish this and that." No, I this happened to me, and I uh, I broke from it. I I survived it, and I'm still kicking it and doing the things that I want to do. And so there's always hope out there. And I and I just hope that people in Hollywood could come to a conclusion of something that we can work together and go. You know what? We might disagree on a lot of things, but let's find something that we agree on and, and stick to that. Maybe we can have a better communication level. And I and I, hope I don't see
1: it, Antonio. I don't see it, brother. I, I really don't. I, I mean, there are brave, they're brave cats like you. Then there are people who most of the people realize the inside baseball of Hollywood. As you check certain boxes, or you're off the game board. I was watching a documentary over the weekend called Milius about the great director-writer yeah. John Milius. This guy was as yep. wired in... To the mount rushmore as you could be best friends with george lucas steven spielberg that whole usc crowd the moment he made red dawn think about that when you say back in the day you could still talk when's red dawn that's got to be 30 35 yeah. years that's ago 80. the, yeah, the moment least, yeah. he made that dead and and with that murderer's row of, of supporters dead so this whole thing about uh, i don't think there is talk to be had man i think there are cats who get to a point like you said and it just sort of makes you white hot angry about bullies and you step through the stargate and you have to pay the piper but at least when your head hits the pillow at night like you you think all right i didn't fucking let down antonio sabato senior before me i i was a right. man about it so good for you brother you know and that doesn't make it any less painful when all of a sudden the cool kids don't you have you at the cafeteria table but the fact is the other way is a way it's a cheap payoff man this way you know where you stand good for you brother
2: yeah yeah I mean I I just think that uh, it's scary that people are just making their minds based on celebrities what comes out of their mouth you know it's kind of like I like this person as an actor, I like this person as an actress, and whatever they say, I'm going to follow, I'm going to do everything, instead of making, you know, and that's one of the things that I hate, is just the media, the power of the media and entertainment, that if you try to reach a lot of people by trying to promote things that are not valuable in the long run, that's going to hurt a lot of people, so... Uh, I, I think that we need to fight for what is right and, and, and some sort of peace around around this country. I mean, listen, we, we live in a really crazy times where at the end of the day, uh, God is going to be stronger than everything. We're, the, the, good, the goodness is going is to surpass the evil, and we're going to make it through one way or another. I don't know how, but I know we're going to make it.
1: Well, listen, brother, I'm glad you're on the game board in Florida because when I saw you were running in Cal 26, I thought, man, that might as well be him strapping a leather f- flight helmet on and screaming, Tora, 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 because he's going to have to plant that <laughs> on the carrier deck in Cali. But I hope you establish residency down there and start digging the scene because I think Florida is going to be in play increasingly because I think people are going to have to split states like California and New York and New Yorkers are head to Florida and Cali people will head to Texas and those states are where well, it's funny I always say that the Alamo will be used again but people will move to the parapet facing inside America. <laughs> That's what's right, coming down right. the road.
2: Yeah. You gotta you gotta fight for what you believe, you gotta fight for the flag, you gotta fight for for your honor and, and the history of this country and it's and you gotta fight for all our beautiful amendments and especially our first and second amendment. So yeah, I, I I'm a Floridian now. I I've been here for over a year and what, four months and we have big plans. Uh, I'm doing very well in Florida and, um, and I'm still making movies and I'm, I'm actually developing a conservative studios where we can make movies that kind of reflect the history of this country and, and patriotism and love for country and all that stuff so we, uh, we're moving along and uh, I'm very blessed.
1: Okay, plan. Sabs, I dig the whole story man and once again the, the whole cudgel for me is the courage. Because this town is a company town, and my man just stepped up and said, hey, hey, enough. And uh, that takes big cojones to use the Spanish, or the Italian for Antonio Sabato. The book is Sabato, The Untold Story, and I admire you, man. I appreciate your time.
2: Thank you, my friend. God bless you. We'll
1: talk soon. Thank you. All right, Antonio. Bye-bye. Courageous guy. Imagine that uh, we've gone from McCarthyism to... A lot like, uh, it's like Jenny McCarthyism. You know, you say you're, you don't believe in, uh, you know, if you disagree on any major topic, you're out of the loop for Andrew McCarthyism. All of a sudden, you're dead in the water. So I admire his courage, man. I don't think I'm a courageous man. I'm not weird. I used to be more. And I'm courageous on so there's certain things I'll take a stand on, but I've pushed them way down the line because I can see the way the country's gone and it's not coming back. So you got to make your. Uh, you got to. It's like one of those. Remember, you used to do uh, peachy folders, Christian. They had the time, uh, you don't remember peachy folders. They were these orange folders that had a picture of uh, Charles Bronson on the cover, carrying a football. Uh, you used them for school, and inside they had a multiplication table and 12 plus 12 12 times 12 you would run your fingers in the left side of the column in the top and you'd meet and it'd be 144 that one was pretty sure. easy but the 11s were a little fucked up 12 11 132 so i had to run my fingers and that's what i've <laughs> done right now i'm still using a peachy folder i don't see the country coming back i think it would take 25 years of conservative indoctrination and in all the schools and conservatives just aren't going to do that that's why they're conservatives and liberals aren't I think a conservative to a large degree would feel sheepish if the kids came to the school and they just said well I don't know what their parents believe but here's what I believe I'm going to put this on them now they do it at certain colleges there's a college that Levin always speaks about but you, you sign up to go there you know what I mean I I, I just the very essence of what separates conservatives and liberals makes me believe it's the, it, it's the uh, I don't know, I, whenever Barack Obama said the audacity hope, I always thought the hope of audacity, and I always thought the hope of audacity was you just interjecting yourselves into people's lives and changing their the way they believe, their most precious uh, uh, gifts, their children, and they did, and it's worked. You see kids now. How are we going to come back from that? I really, when we do that phone-in show, if anybody wants to come in and people say, you're such a pessimist, uh, what about if I'm accurate? What about if I waited a long time on this instinct and thought, geez, I, I don't want to go forward with that. But what about when, you know, you got to the point where you just looked out and shook your head and said, oh, it officially tipped and, uh um like i said i think trump's the last mail stop but i think the boat still pulls out and hits the iceberg because i don't see anybody if trump gets the second term i think he will but who who after him do you see on the horizon that might be courageous enough to take this flat out assault the only thing i can think is trump bleeds a little away from it because they just punch themselves out it's like uh, Rope-a-Dope in Zaire where Foreman punches himself out. That's the only thing I can think is Trump lays on the ropes if he gets the second term and just takes it out of them where they don't even believe their own bullshit anymore. And the next guy comes in and has a chance. Might be that cat in Arkansas. He used to be, isn't what's his name, Tom Cotton? Yeah. But, you know, he's not as, uh, you know, people can say all they want when you say this, but he's not as charismatic as Trump. He was a charismatic. Yeah, I find him interesting when he speaks to a crowd. Anybody who tells you that Joe Biden's what crowds want is just, they're making that up. Uh, Think of the point we've got to now. The party that tells you they champion every niche group has chosen the whitest, squarest, most addled guy to run for the presidency. How did that happen? What does it not convey to people out there? I saw a thing today, and I don't know when this runs, Christian, but I'll say it today because I want to talk about it, and you can run it whenever you want. But I saw over the weekend in Chicago in the Miracle Mile, which is the shopping district down there, the high end, they broke into a Tesla showroom and were trashing it, the rioters. And then I saw the, uh, I don't know what her name is. I'm blanking on it right now, but the mayor Uh, whose hairline is uh, just receding like Lori uh, Lightfoot Lori Lightfoot right Um, you can literally you you watch her speak and her hairline's going back like a cycle of the moon or something (laughs) Um, saying we're coming for you and I was thinking this is how 95% of black Americans will vote for that party when after all these years, of, from Ben Wilson, from before Ben Wilson shot at Cabrini Green, the heartbreaks, weekends, kids killed, 100 people shot over the weekend, nothing grabs their attention, nothing is done. All these years, they broke into a Tesla thing, and she said, we're coming for you. The black mayor said, we're coming for you. That's how little they place on the black community in chicago that it finally took them breaking into the ultimate status symbol of the white upper crust the tesla showroom for them to say all right that cinches it now we're coming for you and you go really you don't want to come last weekend when they shot 100 people in the city those two kids get killed really so this drew your ire the tesla factory and i just thought it's one of the things i thought when i saw hillary clinton deliver almost the exact same uh, black vote as Barack Obama, I just thought it's tipped. It's not coming back. The fact that maybe it'll change this time. And in a weird way, the and this is the last I'll tell you, I I don't know. You shouldn't even talk about politics. Here's the thing about home security companies most trap you with high prices, tricky contracts, and lousy customer service. So while there are a lot of options out there, there's only one no brainer Simply Safe. I use it, and you know what it's done for my life? It's made me Simply Safe. Safe. Simply. Simply Safe's got everything you need to protect your home with none of the drawbacks of traditional home security. It's got an arsenal, an arsenal of sensors and cameras to blanket every room, window, and door, tailored specifically for your home. Professional monitoring keeps watch day and night, ready to send police, fire, or medical professionals if there's an emergency. You can set it up for yourself in under an hour. Just peel and stick the sensors exactly where you need them. No technician required. And there's no contract, no pushy sales guys, no hidden fees, no fine print. All this starts 15 bucks a month. I'm not the only one who thinks Simply Safe is great. US News and World Report named it the best overall home security of 2020. Try Simply Safe today at simplysaimpli safe.com/miller. You get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. There's nothing, nothing to lose. That's simplysafe.com slash Miller. What do we got, Christian? What's your favorite Mexican food?
0: (sighs) Chimichanga, mostly because I like to say it. The food's okay, but I like to walk into a place and be like, I will like dos chimichanga,
1: and I get two. I'm getting more disciplined in my old age because I've sworn to myself to stay out of it, and uh, it's a little bit of a I've gone up country to gulch, and uh, (laughs) then occasionally I'll dip tip my foot in because I do think about it like anybody that would their own country, and then I can just get to the point now again. It's a it's a waste. It's happened.
0: Well, we've got some voicemails, uh, and you mentioned the John Milius documentary, but were there other ones, the Sinatra and that? Because you were in the midst of talking about documentaries before uh, Antonio joined us.
1: Okay, Sinatra, the Columbine hat, just yeah. me, freaked me out. Uh, the Milius thing is brilliant, and he's brilliant, and he was gone. Like, when Red Dawn opened, he was gone. Yeah,
0: 1984 is when that movie opened.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. Talk about things <laughs> exactly. dovetailing. Everybody's favorite, the coolest guy, every, every important filmmaker, star, r- reluctant people answers the call to speak for Milius, who now is in a post stroke, a recovering reverie, but one of the sharpest minds, not what it was, which is its own, uh, you know, some Dante Alighieri's symbolic re- uh, retribution. But to see Spielberg, Lucas, everybody just kissing the ring on what a cool guy he was and how he was an outlier. And they, but he was the guy they went to when they needed help on the writing or the smarts or the you know.
0: Yeah, I didn't even realize. I'm just looking him up right now. I didn't realize that he wrote Apocalypse Now. I mean, he adapted yeah. it from the book, but that's that's impressive.
1: Well, lost the Academy Award to the I think Robert Benton maybe who wrote uh, Kramer versus Kramer. I love Kramer versus Kramer, but as a grand, a pratic, uh the Veltichong uh, of Vietnam opus, you got to admit that thing has big kill shots in it that should have won a T. the Oscar. Charlie, don't surf! There's not much of that in the Kramer versus Kramer. And I love Kramer versus Kramer. I'm just saying as a star turn for a writing thing to think that the cat who wrote Apocalypse Now did not win it. Uh although there is that moment, uh I don't know who crafted that for maybe I might I have Benton wrong, maybe. I know he directed it, but I don't know who wrote it, but the fact that the, at the beginning, the, the film is bookended by Dustin and his young boy being completely incapable of getting flapjacks off the pad at the beginning of the film when she leaves. <laughs> right. And at the end, they're like the Detroit assembly line putting together a, a vega. He's making them in a coffee cup, which <laughs> it's just like, how does that make sense to you? Yeah, and at the end, they're just handing it off seamlessly to each other. It's it's like Tinker's Devers to Chance. It's just so beautiful. Uh, that is deft writing. But uh, I, I certainly think you could say that uh, Apocalypse Now could have won the writing award when he didn't.
0: Yeah. So you're right. Uh, Kramer vs. Kramer, uh, Robert Benton. It was uh, adapted from a novel as well. The other nominees, La Caja Fall, uh A Little Romance in Alan Burns film, and uh, Norma Ray. So those were what our nominees were for a, a adapted screenplay in
1: nineteen eighty. Well, let's see. Uh um well, Nichols prob- that probably cost that remake of uh because Nichols had gotten so many things that they weren't really looking to award him anytime a little surprised Norma Raiden when because it checked all those silk and you know it's like Silkwood where she's in a sewing machine factory yeah. instead of a uh well it would win now <laughs> for sure yes and then the third one what was the third a little romance a I little romance I don't know this film Was yet. Bowie and Diane Lane in that can you look that up I think Diane Lane told me about that film when I did uh what was my opus with her called was uh, she in Murder but, at 1600? Yeah, I think we called it Career Suicide at 1600. <laughs> so did.
0: Diane Lane is in this. I'm looking for the, the thin white Duke, and I don't see him as one of the actors in it, but maybe he's got a... It was Olivier in it? Yes, Lawrence Olivier. Was oh, okay,
1: in it. I remember this. Oh, Diane Lane made me laugh. God, what a great dame she was. Oh, did we laugh on that film? Not enough for them to for me to take them up on the option to save me for two more weeks <laughs> i told you that didn't i christian we're crawling through that sore yeah. wesley and i is that his name wesley yeah yes he hated me so much and i was not a fan i can't bring myself to hate but uh and they yeah. said the uh, what was the guy's name dwight something was the director and uh nice guy he and the writers said uh listen, would you like to uh, stay on the film? We're going to rewrite it if you want and give you two more weeks. We're having so much fun with you. because we would just sit there and how in the director's chairs. And I knew movies, so we would talk movies. And imagine Christian getting to the point where the guys who wrote the script were thinking, let's change the script to keep them around. So I was flattered. I love that. I, I couldn't stand it. I, they, they, and it was a good salary, but I said, no, fuck, just kill me, man. I, I don't want to yeah. be
0: he, uh His name was Dwight H. Little,
1: What's nice guy. Name? Yeah. Nice guy. Oh, he was a great guy. Dwight Little, if somebody listens to this who knows Dwight Little, tell him he was a class act. Really a fun guy. And uh, I, I think they split the, it was Solomon S. They split the baby. They didn't kill me, but they didn't keep me around either because I just said, no, I got to go. I got to get <laughs> So at some point we're coming through the tubes, and you know the best way to do it is a red laser pointer comes on you. Boom. And then... You know, that's what films come down to. Does it take your head off or does it hit you in the shoulder? And then they give me the heroic out where I'm leaning against the wall. And all I can think (laughs) is, is this real grout? Is this dirty? You know, get me out of here and
0: uh was that one of the times where you were doing a movie at the same time as the hbo show so were you like you know basically working every day or do you remember if it was separate no
1: no this was uh this this reminded me why i hated politics i was flying down from new york one day and i had rented a like a cessna or something not a propeller plane i wasn't on fred mcmurray's son of flubber car i was in a jet (laughs) but (laughs) small one and all of a sudden we're sideways flying into washington national this is pre them shutting all that down i mean sideways christian i mean if the seatbelt's not on we haven't flipped over but it literally is sideways and uh we straighten back out but it's so turbulent and crazy and uh you know me at that point i'm not a good flyer i haven't made that mental adjustment in my head where i remember telling myself that uh, i was going to die from being worried about flying. And what was I worried about with the crash dying? And I said, well, you've got a better chance, according to the actuary tables, of dying from the stress of a heart attack in a plane than you do from, so are are you being full of shit here? Are you being dramatic? Does this make you feel precious or special? Because drop the fucking flying thing. You'd fly for a living. Go ahead, stay at home in a sandbox with Brian Wilson and shit yourself if you want, but shut the fuck up with the flying. And I got better with it after that. But at this point, I hadn't had that uh, road to or flight to Damascus moment. So <laughs> right. I was uh, petrified. And I said to the guys, I, I remember swearing. I remember saying to the pilot who we could see, you know, it was a small uh, plane. What the fuck? And the guy <laughs> said, uh, yeah, he said, I'm pissed off, too. They gave us a, we had to pull out of a no fly zone because of some senator or something in their flight. <laughs> imagine that's how the rules are demarcated for those shitheads like uh who's a senator is a shithead schumer that i've got a fucking be- all of a sudden i'm an extra in the great waldo pepper because that <laughs> shithead plug job is flying in from his weekend at home and i've got a uh, you know dive bomb out of it Ugh, politicians creeps but anyway I don't even how did, what was I telling you? We were
0: about? talking about uh well Diane Lane and uh, Murder at 1600 and I guess you weren't doing that at the same time as the HBO show and you were talking about taking the flight. To no, but I've done
1: that before, but Yeah. Christ, I phoned. I've only done eight films and I think I phoned in three. Of them. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. It's just too it's too hard in a way that you wouldn't expect non romantically. And it's too easy in a way that you wouldn't as a comedian, it, you know it's like high noon or something, where you got to draw and the, the bad guy wins, and they go, can I get another." <laughs> and as a stand-up comedian, that edge just didn't work for me. And then that and fourteen hours in, they come to my trailer, and I've got to get into a fist fight with Corey Feldman. You know, it's just <laughs> I can't do this. My, I feel uh, bad. My, I let that kid down. I, I guess he's right. still disappointed in me, but I just. Uh,
0: My favorite era of working with you was when you were doing the radio show five days a week and you had a game (laughs) show as well. So you would do the radio show five days a week and then you had a game show, primetime game show on NBC called Amnesia in case you forgot.
1: Thank you. They were nice people too. I just, I had taken on too much to be honest. It felt that uh, way. Not, not for not for Michael J. Fox or something, you know, no. where you can leave from family ties, and get in the car, and go shoot Back to the Future all night. Some people are dedicated to it, but I've always been, you know, not super, uh, <laughs> not super taken with showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, what happened there was uh, I just. Uh, kind of didn't answer the call sorry it's tough for me to be self-praise myself <laughs> like that um so what else is up christian what are we were doing?
0: there any other documentaries or have we uh, talked through all of them oh milius oh yes
1: yes the coup de gras maybe i didn't maybe i talked about it already on here because we had a podcast recently did i tell you about the island of dr moreau on? i don't think so no 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 oh richard stanley who's some guerrilla filmmaker way back when Does a couple of small uh, films that, I guess they're trying, you remember it became a trend eventually to take guys like Ridley Scott, who was a commercial director, things like that, and give them films. And it happens today where kids will get films off a streaming thing or something that they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Marvel movies, that's typically what they do. It's like sitcom directors and, yeah, commercial directors and stuff. Well,
1: this might have been the first time somebody pushed chips in on like that because it was uh, Richard Stanley, and he was doing the third remake of The Island of Dr. Moreau, and it ends up being Brando and Val Kilmer and uh, this tiniest man in the world, like 22 inches, in the in in somewhere in off the coast of northern japan or something, just craziness and the guy has a complete nervous breakdown richard stanley's first time director and val and brando just run him off the film for shits and giggles the guy is so fucked up that he goes into the woods near the shot where where they're shooting and lives out there for a while just as a crazy kaczynski like hermit goes mad wants to see what's up with the film starts coming on the set dressed as uh, one of the animal people the former director is now an extra on the set snooping and uh it, it's just and you can't help but like the guy he's kind of charming but you can see he's just wrecked he's wrecked can you imagine trying to keep your head above water in the wake that is brando and front-running val kilmer val at that point <laughs> you know still has some cachet and they just abuse yeah. this guy horrifically and uh, and it was supposed city. to be Rob Morrow before it was Val Kilmer, I'm reading. No, no. I think Rob turns up in it. It was supposed oh, okay. to be somebody else who just split the scenery and Rob Morrow got it. And I was talking <laughs> to John Corbett about it. And he said, I remember Rob told me about this when they're on Northern Exposure. They had a bit of a hiatus. And sure. he came back and he looked like Rod Taylor falling into the <laughs> dining room at the beginning of the time <laughs> machine with smoke coming off his head. Like, what the hell oh, happened out man. there? So this was Brando doing a Kurtz turn yet again, where he'd gone up the river and gone mad and turned everybody into Dennis Hopper. But it's a brilliant documentary called uh, Richard. Look for Richard Stanley or the Making of Dr. Moreau. It says it all about showbiz. What a, what a craze. And a completely untrustable art form, as it should be.
0: The uh, the documentary is called Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey. And did I have his name right? Is it
1: Richard Stanley? Mm-hmm. Richard Stanley,
0: yeah. Um, I'm going to watch this this afternoon for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to oh, watch it.
1: Christian, it's so up your alley. I think I even said that to Carolyn as we were watching it, because she started out half-watching it, saying, what are you want And then she was so engrossed that at the end she said, that was a great documentary. I said, you know, would love that, Christian. Chris, it would eat that up. So, yeah, give that a tumble <laughs> and we'll talk about it in, in more detail next time.
0: You know, you're talking about things to watch. I wanted to let you know that uh, I did watch that film Palm Springs with uh, Andy Sandberg and uh, that I guess your friend directed. Yeah, my and, friend uh, directed it. It was great. I, re- I really had fun with it. And it's like I, I felt like I thought I knew what it was when it started. And uh, I don't know, it surprised me. So, I, I think people should yeah, definitely he did a check good that job, out. Didn't
1: they? Yeah. Yeah, and Palm Springs is on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you don't even have to pay extra for it. My my well, my friend, like he's not my peer. He's my his mother and father are my dear friends, and he's the, their beloved son, who I've always loved too, Max Barbaco. But uh, it's so sweet to see him. He's he's heavy in the game now, and I told you he's doing a film. It sounds like something a twist on Twins, uh, with Schwarzenegger and Devito, where it's Jason Momoa and Peter Dinklage. Oh, that's fantastic. Doesn't that sound funny? Yes. <laughs> With his touch? I, I think oh, he's going to be a huge hit there. So that's it. We'll see you next time on Dennis Miller. Uh, what is it? option? The Dennis Miller option.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller option exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, Westwood westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here.
1: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.